Uh, if you know some men in your life that are, are unchurched, lost, uh, they love golf, and you can go up to them and say, how would you like to play Greystone, the legacy course, for free? It's free. All you have to do is, is be there. Uh, you can caddy for that uh, person or two men if you want to. And if you can't be there on the Monday that we're doing it, it'll be the Monday after Man Church. It'll be the 26th of August that we will do this, uh, this golf tournament. That's okay because uh, uh, we have caddies that are available. So if you can't be there to caddy, but you still got guys you want to be there, we'll get them a caddy. So be thinking about some men in your life that you think might be open to playing Monday, August 26th at Greystone Golf and Country Club for free. They'll play nine. They'll do a lunch. They'll hear from Greg Powers, professional golfer. He'll give his testimony. Then they'll come back uh, and play the other nine. Then there'll be a dinner. Uh, they'll hear the rest of Greg's testimony. And then I will get up and make a presentation uh, to them and give them an opportunity to uh, receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior. So uh, it's a pretty easy sale. How would you like to play Greystone for free? Uh, we got 72 slots to fill. Uh, so if you're interested in that or know somebody uh, and you need information, just contact me and I'll get that person registered. So if you can caddy for them, great. But if you can't because of work, we'll still get them a caddy. Just bring, just get the guys to me. Okay. And when we're sold out, I'll let you know. I see we may be running. There's an extra chair, I think, back here. If not, uh, Adler, tell, you might want to use somebody. We, we're going to need an extra chair, some folks coming in. So that's the announcements. Let's open up in prayer and let's get started. Oh, the next Man Church is August 25th. Greg Powers uh, will be speaking at that as well, and that will plug you guys into the next round of, uh, of Bible study. So uh, August 25th at Shades Mountain Baptist Church, it's free, starts at 6. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time today. Thank you for the con convicting message today. Today, Lord, will be one of those messages that uh, there'll be in an attempt for a lot of folks that are listening and, and in the room to push back a little bit. Uh, this has been a terrible, terrible issue between you and me. Uh, I have been uh, um, horribly disobedient uh, in this area of my life. And Lord, I, I thank you for the conviction. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. Uh, and Lord, I, 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 I submit to you and repent of this sin in my life. Uh, and Lord, uh, help me to continue to, to walk through the process of, of getting this part of my life under your authority. Uh, and, and I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to unpack this together today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I roll through this. This is The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. This is chapter 11, and this is entitled Holiness in the Body. Uh, and I will confess to you, uh, before you, that if, if changes had not been made in my life, in the last few years of my life, I would have stepped down and not taught this lesson today. Uh, somebody else should have taught it uh, because I would have had no credibility uh, in this at all because this is an area of my life that I did not have under control. Uh, it's an area of my life that I made excuses about. Uh, it's an area of my life that, uh, that I justified for many years. It's an area of my life that uh, somewhat built a career on. <laughs> Uh, and, and had to go back and change some of those things as time has gone on. Uh, and this is talking about uh, our physical health and talking about uh, gluttony, talking about laziness, uh, and, uh, and, and what, what role does that play and what does the Bible have to say about it. So let's start with the first verse because uh, this is important, and this is that 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Here's what Paul said. He said, I, I beat my body. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So, so Paul says it's so important the, about my physical health and, and me controlling the, 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 the physical urges of my body. It's so important that if I do not get this under control, eventually I'll disqualify myself to stand up and preach. Now, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I know a man that I have great respect for, and I'm going to leave some names out of this. Uh, Adrian Rogers, I probably have as much respect for him as a man of God as anybody who's ever been created. I think this is one of those moments where God said, I will now create the perfect preacher. Uh, there, I, there's, there's, there's very few people that were given the, the talents that Adrian Rogers, uh, the, that he was given by God, and his legacy is tremendous. And he is a man's man. He's an incredible leader, and he loved Jesus to his dying day, and he now has, has received his just reward. And all the messages that God gave him continue to convict me and disciple me even to this day. There was a very popular 
speaker at the time that Adrian Rogers was the pastor uh, in, at Bellevue in Memphis, and he was very sought after, but he was obese. Uh, and he was talented in the pulpit. Adrian Rogers would never let him come to Bellevue because he said, I cannot put that man in the pulpit because of his physical, out-of-control appearance. He, he's, he's a glutton. He's lazy. And his physical presentation will be such a distraction. In my opinion, he has no credibility to be in the pulpit. And he was as popular and sought after as any speaker that, that you've ever known at the time. But Adrian Rogers would not have him come to the church because he didn't think that he could be trusted with the responsibility uh, and, and, and could stand up there as a witness physically for the kingdom. Now, some of you, like me, are probably you know saying, oh, no, th th this is... Uh, this is going to be difficult today, and I'm going to tell you, it is. But I think one of the things that we have to decide is on anything in our life, and, I, and today you'll see me, I will, I will take the biggest beating on this because this is an area of my life that I think lasted the longest. Now, certainly I have not arrived. My sanctification will continue to, to my earthly death or the return of Jesus. But this was an area of my life that I said, I will deal with everything in my life except this. I'm going to continue to justify this somehow because I don't want to stop pleasuring myself when it comes to overeating. I do not want to go back. I remember a lot of us in here played football, and not everybody, and that didn't make you more a man or less a man. Football can be used to advance the kingdom of God. If you didn't use it to advance the kingdom of God, you're not a man. I don't care how hard it was or how mean you were or how physical you were. If you're not a man of God, you're not a man. And, and so, um, so it's not about that, but I, I, I was one of these guys, when I left football, I said, sadly, and made one of the few commitments of my life, I will never work out like that again. And I didn't. And, 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 and I ballooned to over 300 pounds and then mocked it and made fun of it and thought it was cute. Uh, and even based some of the funny stuff we've done on the show about it. And the Lord started convicting me that this is not a weakness. This is not funny. This is sin. And one of the things that Adrian Rogers also said was, any sin that Satan can convince you to laugh at, you'll never take serious again. And I did not take this serious. And I tried to justify it, and, and, and I went through a time where I started making some progress, and then my youngest son went to heaven. I'm not using that as an excuse, but the Lord is so gracious, and the Lord is so merciful. If you go and look at the memorial service uh, of YouTube and me speaking at, at Bronner's memorial service, you will see me in pretty good condition because I'd, I'd come under conviction about it, and I'd lost weight, and I started working on it. But I, when I went into my period of grief, I was de so dependent on the Lord that I began to justify, though, again, to soothe myself with overeating and, and soothe myself with indulgence, overindulgence in food. It's always been a problem with me, just like a drug addict. It's always been a problem for me. And so, um, and, and the Lord kind of let that go for a time period to get me back on my feet. And I became so weak uh, that he became strong. And then about the time that he started using this now as the new part of the ministry, the Holy Spirit came back around and said, hey, we got to deal with this again now. You're letting yourself go. And you cannot be a leader of men at 300-something pounds. Now, I'm not talking about people, nor is the Bible, of people who have medication problems, have things that honestly in their lifestyle, they're not gluttonous, but they still have an appearance of being overweight, maybe something tied to sickness or medications. That's not what it's talking about. But all of us have to be real, no matter what we physically look like today, on whether or not in our life we overindulge with a gluttonous, sinful attitude when it comes to consumption of food. Are we, are we eating to live or are we living to eat? And I will tell you that I was the latter and have been most of my life. I have been in sin and I was gluttonous and I was the same guy when people would start trying to bring it up. I say, well, gluttony, that's talking about things uh, more than just eating. And that is correct and we'll get into some of that today, but it's also talking about eating. It's, if, if that food is that important to me, it's sinful. And, and, and when I get to the point that I've been satisfied and now I'm just eating, one of the things people have never understood about fat people is you can stop our appetite all you want to. If I only ate when I was hungry, I never would have been fat. 
I, I never got a milkshake because I was hungry. I never ate the, the third helping of fried chicken and mashed potatoes because I was hungry. I was eating because I liked the taste and I was overindulging and, 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 and I was, I was, it was sensuality. It was a sensual experience that fed my physical, sinful side, my flesh. It was all flesh. And until you get to the point you're ready to admit that, nothing's ever going to change. But remember what Corey Ten Boom said. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross for excuses. He went to the cross for repentance. And until you're ready to call sin, sin, you will not be repentant. And if you're not repentant, you're not forgiven. And, 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 and so I spent most of my life not being repentant about this. So true holiness... And Jerry makes no bones about it. True holiness includes control over our physical bodies and our appetites, period. Period. Because if you don't have control of anything in your life, it's going to be possible that you won't have control of everything. If you don't have control of everything, you can lose control on anything. That's a better way to put it. So he says, if we are to pursue holiness, we must recognize that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit and that we are to glorify God with them. Our bodies are to glorify God. That's the reason why when you saw Paul talking about sexual sin, he went in and said, hey, this is another level. Now this is a sin that you're committing with the body where now the Holy Spirit resides and you're going to take your physical body and you're going to unite that with a prostitute? You're going to take Jesus and unite him with a prostitute? He said all other sins happen outside the body, but these sins that happen to the body are, are another level because that's where the Holy Spirit resides. That's where the Spirit is housed for, for now until, until that body dies. And, and I know another friend of mine, and I didn't get his permission to use this, so I won't, but he has been very, very effective. I think he would have let me, but I didn't ask him, so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do it without asking him. He's been extremely effective for the kingdom, continues to be effective for the kingdom. And when he sat down to answer his call as an evangelist, he was way overweight. And he said, I got the, my, my third or fourth plate of mashed potatoes about right here, and the guy who I was talking to about trying to help me get started in ministry, he said, I can't support you in ministry. He said, what are you talking about? This is the call of my life. He goes, he goes, I'm sitting here watching you shovel in this food. He said, you have no self-control. He said, and if you don't have self-control and I can come alongside your ministry somewhere, you're going to burn us because you've proven to me sitting here watching you, you have no self-control. And he says, so I can't support you in ministry until you do something about your physical health and your physical appearance. And, and your gluttonous attitude toward over, overindulgence in food. So gluttony and laziness for early Christians, and this is important, in the early church, and this is where we've messed up, especially the Western church. Gluttony and laziness for the early Christians, you know what they called it? Sin. Sin. Not a struggle, not a weakness, sin. And, and today, he said, we look on these as weaknesses or that, you know, uh, of the will, but we don't see them as sin. Well, I mean, we, we made little jokes about it. You can go to a lot of churches and they'll even make jokes, jokes about the pastor being fat, uh, you know, youth director's fat. And, and, and they make little jokes about this and covered dishes and dinner on the ground and food, 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 food. But I wonder if they would get up there and make those same comments about fornication, adultery, lying. I mean, would we think that was funny? Uh, he's a pretty good pastor except the fact that he's not loyal to his wife. What? Yeah, our youth pastor over here, now he, <laughs> now he watches porn, but I tell you, he loves the youth. <laughs> but yet we'll let, him be, we'll let him be obnoxiously overweight and, and, and overindulge in food and be a, gluttonous, a glutton, and we won't do anything about it. We're just like, that's no big deal. But you know what? I saw this happen to a youth pastor when I was a kid. He was huge. And he wasn't huge because of medication. He was huge because he overate. Okay, and that's what we all have to be honest about today, even though you don't show signs of it. Just because you don't look like a glutton doesn't mean you're not. Okay, because I got, I got guys that have great metabolism, and they're as glutton as anybody I've ever seen when it comes to food or indulgence. Just because you don't show it doesn't mean that you get away with it. But for those of us that show it, say, you may not know I have a porn problem, but when I overate, you knew it. Because all you had to do is look at my shirt. 
that became a distraction while I'm trying to talk to you about self-control and all you can think about is, man, that shirt's too little for him. He can't even tuck his shirt in. You know what I mean? And so, and so I don't have any credibility because then you wonder what else in my life do I not have control over? And, and so, and we've all been there. You ever have seen somebody before that they were so overweight, it was a distraction. You couldn't even, you couldn't even listen. All you could think about was, wow, he's fat. And, uh, and, and, and so I remember sitting there with this youth pastor and I didn't say it and he was overweight and all the kids were sitting there and he was coming down to everybody about, you know, their girlfriends and their drinking and all that. And also when I said, well, what about you being fat? He goes, he goes, it doesn't look like you have any self-control over some areas of your life either. And so he lost his credibility. Every single time when I first started being a follower of Jesus, and I would talk about it openly right here, you know what the enemies of what we were doing would say to me? When are you going to talk about being fat? When are you going to talk about being overweight? So is gluttony okay with you? Why do you say what you said about God's standard for sexual purity? Why do you say about God's standard for marriage? What about God's standard for gluttony? I don't hear you talk about that. So what, what I had to realize is until I addressed it, there was only so much that I could do for the kingdom. It was limiting what I could do for the kingdom because I didn't have credibility. I, I, it was only so much I could speak into my children's life if they looked at me and watched the way I ate and watched the way I, I was lethargic and laid around all the time and sat there stuffing potato chips in my mouth watching movies instead of getting up and doing something. You know what they thought? Our dad doesn't have any credibility. Look at this area of his life. It's completely out of control. And then I noticed how many people who, who food is an addiction to them always look down on drug addicts. <laughs> you ain't no different than they are. I've watched, I was this way. Look, I'm speaking from experience. I craved food like a drug addict craves drugs. And I couldn't get enough of it. Just sitting there, gluttonous attitude. And I was addicted to it. And, and I still got a long way to go. But I promise you, I'm not justifying it anymore. I'm not justifying it anymore. I mean, I'm not there. But I, I have addressed it, and I stand before you, and I confess my sin of gluttony. And, and you, will, you are watching it change, and you will see it change, not to earn my salvation, but because of my salvation. And, and, and y'all hold me accountable on that. It says, when too many times we joke about our overeating and other indulgences instead of crying out to God in confession and repentance. We joke. We don't take it serious when really we should be crying out in confession and repentance. Physical bodies and natural appetites, just like sexual appetites, were created by God, and they are not sinful in themselves. I tell my, I've told my kids all that. Look, your desire to be intimate with your husband or your wife is, is, is God-given, but it's to be with your husband and your wife under His authority, under His plan. This applies to this as well. It says the appetite, food should be enjoyed. It's, it's not just for sustenance. It's to be enjoyed in moderation. And it says this. It says, but left uncontrolled, as I was, we will find our bodies becoming instruments of wickedness rather than righteousness. And you can look to write down Romans 6, 13. We don't let our bodies become instruments of wickedness. They're supposed to be instruments of righteousness, but if you leave anything in the body unchecked, it now begins to wage war against what we were called to do. It will limit your relationship with Christ. It will limit your impact, impact for the kingdom of God. And again, reference Romans 6, 13 on that. Look also write down 1 John 2, 16. 1 John 2, 16. What does John warn us? Do not pursue the cravings of sinful man. Do not pursue the cravings of sinful man. If this is left unchecked in our lives, we begin to pursue the cravings of sinful man instead of holiness. Example. And I know people like this. And I used to be one of them. The Bible clearly, clearly, not, as, not, not to earn salvation, we are clearly called to times of fasting. Clearly. There's nowhere in, Bible, in the Bible you ever find anybody who didn't need to make a decision that was crucial or that wasn't seeking the will of God that did not go through a period of fasting. I was so addicted to food, I couldn't even fast. It owned me. 
I remember thinking, fasting? I can't fa go. I got to go a period of time and not eat? Never. Well, well that's addiction, Rick. That's addiction. So I, you, can't, you can't put yourself in a time of discomfort to fast? Rick, I don't know, but hey, we don't have to fast anymore. Uh, but why did Jesus say, when you fast, do this and don't do that? Why is he telling us how to do something you think we're not supposed to be doing anymore? Jesus seemed to waste his time then. If, if fasting is not still part of what the followers of Jesus do, why did Jesus say, when you fast, don't do this, and when you fast, do that? You know, it was the same speech when he said, when you pray. So I guess we don't have to pray either. So praying is not important. Jesus spent a lot of time instructing us on how to fast and not fast if we're not supposed to fast. Now, I'm not talking about legalistic. I'm not talking about a code of conduct. I'm saying out of obedience, everybody who had an intimate relationship with God when they were seeking something or going through something, they fasted. But if you're overindulgent in food, you can't fast. You can't do it. I remember the first time that I actually fasted for any period of time, I thought, okay, no wonder they tell you. I kept wondering, what, what, how does this work? I tell you how it works. Every time you get hungry, think about Jesus. I thought about Jesus an awful lot. An awful lot. It, 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 how about it? It transformed me. You know why? Because I, I gave up something that I loved. I gave up an idol. And when I gave up an idol, I noticed that, that pushed me to Jesus. Amen. Guys, this is real serious. And honestly, the church culture in America doesn't take it serious. I didn't take it serious. And let me look at me. I want to say to you again, I was wrong. I have led you incorrectly in this period of my life too many times. And it, won't, it, will, it will no longer go on. Uh, I do not want to do physical exercise at all. I, you know, and one of the things, I had, and then I got corrected on that. I said, Lord, you, how hard are you going to be? You know, so nobody teaches like the Lord. You know, he says, I discipline those that I love. He really loves me right now. Okay? Because you know what he said? I start working out, so what? So I could eat more. And God said, hey, you're missing the whole workout thing. Okay? This, this is not the motivation to work out so you can eat other, more bad things, and it won't affect you as bad. You know what I found out? And y'all know this, especially at 54. You can't outwork bad eating. You can't. <laughs> you can't do it. I remember the first time I got on a, I said, man, I'm going to roll that bad meal out of here. My, my, the, meal I, the meal I had and shouldn't have had was over 2,000 calories. I rode 1,000 meters, and I looked down, 30 calories. 30? 30? I said, hey, you can't, I, I was trying to outroll that lunch and I couldn't do it. I mean, you, you couldn't roll enough. I said, I'll be dead if I try to, if I, I can't get 2,000 calories, it killed me. So you can't outwork bad eating. I've tried it. And your motivation to try to physically get in better shape can't be so I can still eat poorly. And, and I've already made that mistake. I, tried, I thought I had something going. God shut me down on that. Because what is my mindset? What am I doing? What's my motivation? What's my motivation? Many times we eat and drink, we lay in bed, and that, of course, brings us what? Our mind gets to wondering. And he says, this comes from the same place that satisfies any physical desire. Which, what we've done, Rick, this is all me, okay? If it's, if it's convicting you, I'm glad. I'm just confessing to you today that I'm convicted by this message even more than I'd already been convicted because I can't get past what the scriptures say. And, and, and on this, what, what it's saying is the same place that you want to overindulge in anything, that's that same sinful nature you're over, overindulging in food on. Don't overindulge in alcohol, but food's okay. No, it's not. Don't overindulge in anything includes food. It includes food. And, uh, and, and certainly, we don't want to have a, a lazy attitude. Susanna Wesley wrote over 200 years ago. This is John Wesley's mama, so she produced some pretty good kids. Susanna Wesley said, Whatever increases the strength and authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin. Let's say that again. Whatever increases the strength and authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin to you. So, so that... You decide what that is. For me, it was food. Food absolutely meant. Man, I remember I just, I'd wake up thinking about food, go to bed thinking about food. Food, food, when's more food coming? 
And I was wrong to have that attitude. And in and, and the verse today, Paul's warning about the body. He says, listen, this is important in the, in the 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Here's what he's saying. He said, the body is an adversary due to the fact that it is the instrument of appetites and lust. And here's why he said, you said, you mean to tell me that Paul's saying if he overeats, he disqualified as a preacher? Yes and no. Certainly if you're struggling with something, I mean, you can't ever get up and present truth. But here's what he said. What he knew is if he left his appetites and his lust unchecked, they would eventually wage war against his soul and then he'd be disqualified. Some, if you've got, this is showing you, you've still got a place where Satan can attack and he'll come through any way he does. And before you know it, you've had a third helping of, of a meal and you're also looking at porn or you, you're flirting with a woman or you're not in the word anymore. You're not praying like you do. And he said, here's how I got you. You had a place I could get in. And that's how you got disqualified is you didn't have everything checked off the list. You left this unchecked and I got you. Remember what we said. We've been freed from the reign of sin if you've been justified by Jesus, but you have not been freed, nor have I, of the touch of sin. Amen. I mean, how many more men we got to see to know that's true? Mm -hmm. To know that's true. And you know what? He may not take you out of heaven, but you know what he'll do? He'll take you out of taking anybody else to heaven. Think about how many men used to be used to point people to Jesus that have no credibility anymore. Now, does that mean they're unforgiven? I don't know their repentance, and I'm not their judge. But can I tell you that their credibility has been damaged and they're not as effective? Yes. They can no longer be given the responsibility they once had because they, 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 they can't be trusted like they once could. You say, Rick, that's not fair, but it's reality. I didn't say that, they, that, 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 that their salvation, you know, was taken away. I didn't say anything like that. I'm just telling you, sin, what have I said a thousand times for four years? Sin always matters. It always matters. Romans 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2, jot this down. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is good. We are instructed to present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable, acceptable to God, and not be conformed to the world. So I start thinking about, all right, what's Paul saying right here? How does that apply to gluttony? How does that apply to laziness? How does that apply? And this is it. I thought about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Why was Cain rejected? He brought a sacrifice. He brought a sacrifice. But God said, that sacrifice is not what I said. That's an unacceptable sacrifice. So we bring our obese, fat, lazy, unhealthy bodies and say, here's our sacrifice. And God says, I reject that. I, you need to bring me that, the, your body the way I said to bring it here. I reject that sacrifice. Don't, don't lay that lifestyle up on the altar to me. It's kind of how, how, how I came to know Jesus was when a pastor looked at me and said, I got too much, I'm paraphrasing, but he had too much respect for the Lord for me to be allowed to say that the Lord was in authority over my garbage life. You're telling me Jesus is Lord over this? You've got to be kidding me. I, I respect Jesus too much to agree with you. But what have we said? That don't say much about Jesus. If you can come under his authority and then these things can still just be rampant in our lives. We, we've said somehow Jesus doesn't have power over this. And that's when it clicked for me. I started out saying, I'm going to show my great self-control. I'm going to be tough like I was raised. And I'm going to say no to overeating. Yes to physical fitness. And you know how far that got? Nowhere. It's just like anything else. You know when it finally started working for me? And look, y'all can look at me and say, Bird, you still got work to do, buddy. Okay? I'm wearing a flattering shirt today on purpose. Always look for the fat man to put the black on. You know what I mean? But 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 what I but, but what but what we're saying is this. What we're what I'm saying is this is when I realized that it was sin. I got to stop sinning against you. I remember one of the things that hit me. The Lord told me, and I see a lot of men do this. It makes me sick. They will let themselves go, and they'll become so physically repulsive, and they would never allow their wives to do that. If their wife gets a little overweight, 
suddenly they get all done. Well, I, boy, I wish she would. I, I wish she looked the way she did when we got married. Well, I got news for you. Do you think your wife likes laying down with your fat self? You think that's a pleasure for her to see you when it's time for intimacy bringing this presentation in? You think that's just something she thinks about all day, laying down with that? Don't ever present yourself to your wife in a way you wouldn't want her to present to you. She shouldn't have to tolerate it, but you won't. And I've seen that a lot. I think that's disgusting. Hey, your wife is not, may not always look the way she wants to look, especially after she starts having them babies. She may go through a tough time. And you may have things that you're trying to work on. I got news for you. None of us look the way that we, that we once did when we were younger. Okay, that's fleeting. Youth is fleeting. However, do we, do we make an effort to be a, a proper sacrifice to the Lord, and those of us who are married, to also say to our wife, I love you enough that I'm not going to make you tolerate something that you find physically repulsive. Now, you love me, so you're going to stick by me, and, and I appreciate that, but I'm not going to abuse that commitment you made to me and say, well, you got to live with it. That's right. But then you would say, I'm not going to live with it if you let yourself go. By golly, you better keep that good look, and you better keep that body in shape. Now, I don't have to, but you better. Is that sacrificial living? Is that, is that loving your wife like Christ loved the church and giving yourself up for? No. No, it's not. You're, you're not being a good husband. And, and, and so when I start thinking about it like that, and then I start thinking about I'm sending my children the wrong message. So, so and I, you know what I used to say? And I was right. Hey, I ain't, ain't going to live another day. I've read the Bible. Ain't nothing anybody can do to add a minute to their life. Yeah, but the decisions you make on how you live that life are allowed you. I'm still going to die when I was going to die, according to Psalms 139, 13 through 16, according to what Job said. Look, I, I, I'm going to die when I'm going to die. But what I do in, in the life I'm afforded and the impact I have for the king, kingdom is our decisions that I'm making. Holiness is action. We've been, we've, that, that's clear. It's accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit, but, it, but we go to access it through action. You know, I promise you the Holy Spirit didn't say, we can't keep Burgess thin. Can't keep him in shape. We're just not powerful enough to do that. No, what I said to the Holy Spirit is, no, thank you. I'm going to go overindulge in food, and then I'm going to look in the mirror and go, how did I get like this? The Holy Spirit's like, I can tell you. You know, it kind of goes back to what James Gregory said one time about his aunts that used to be overweight when they would say, I don't know why my feet hurt. And James said, he'd say, I'll take a shot at that. You know what I mean? And, uh, and you know, hey, what's wrong with my knees? I don't know, my knee's not, I, well, I'll tell you why, why does my back hurt? I'll tell you why, because it's toting something. That's why it's hurting. By the way, I used to think, why is my back not in better shape since it's always carrying around weight? It ought to be in great shape. Why, why is it struggling? But anyway, so the bottom line is this. What is the motivation? We also can't what, and this is why these, I got some young guys that are helping me with this part of my life. And I'm trying to mentor them, and they're, and they're, they're holding me accountable because they're in great shape. And I knew I was at the right place when the young man said to me, I'll help you with this part of your life that, that is not where it needs to be. Now, you're going to have to do what I tell you to do. You know, if I say food journals, and I say you've got to be honest on the food journals, and you're going to have to come hit these workouts. And you got to do them. Got you. And, he, and he's in incredible shape, all of them. And you know what they said? Now you help us. Because if all we have is being in good shape, it's just vanity. Be careful on the motivation to be in good shape, too. What's the motivation? To be a better witness? To be a good husband? To have energy to play with your kids? Or to bring glory to yourself and become a stumbling block to other people? Is it vanity or is it holiness? Because if it's vanity, now, now that motivation is wrong. It's got to be about holiness and trying to be a better witness for the kingdom, be a better husband to your wife, and to be able to actually be involved in your children's life if they want to go outside and shoot basketball, play ball or horse play. You know? I mean, you, 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 it, this is what this is about. Ultimately, it's about to be the proper witness. And I love this. Are you ready for this? And, and the Western church, this is 100% right. 
Jerry Bridges doubles down. Quite possibly, there is no greater conformity to the world among evangelical Christians today than the way in which we, instead of presenting our bodies as holy sacrifices, pamper and indulge uh, them in defiance of our better judgment and our Christian purpose in life. He said he doesn't think, if there's an area with evangelicals where we are conforming to the world, it's right here. We, we, we pamper our bodies, we, we indulge our bodies, and we have no real commitment to presenting them as holy sacrifices to the Lord to be effective for the kingdom. This is the place we conform to the world the most. I'd have a hard time arguing with that because I got news for you. It's one of the last things I'm addressing. That may have been I had so many things I had to address, I couldn't get this one in line. Can I tell you why that I addressed it last? Because I loved it most. I justified it the most. That's why it was, it's getting addressed toward the end, is I've justified it for so very long. I always found some way to not take it serious until the Lord had had enough. Now again, some people are gluttons without showing it physically. Some of you just have good metabolism, but you live a gluttonous lifestyle. And it says, there, there are those of us who can eat what we please without gaining weight, and we may be more guilty of gluttony and indulging the appetites of the body than the person who struggles often with failure to control his, his or her appetite for food. On the other hand, the overweight person should not excuse their failure. We should all examine ourselves to ask whether we eat or drink to the glory of God, recognizing that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. So keep in mind, just because we can't see it doesn't mean you're not a glutton. You may just have good metabolism. By the way, I hate you. I hate all of you with good metabolism. I have a friend of mine that never puts on an ounce, and I hate him. And, uh, and, and he can eat whatever he wants to, but that doesn't mean that he should. He doesn't get a pass to overeat just because it doesn't show on him the way it does on me. And um, I, I was looking at, uh, at 1 Corinthians um, uh, in, in verse 10 that he's talking about 31. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Wow. So, so if I'm eating and drinking, that's got something to do with me glorifying God? Yeah, of course it does. Because what we say, even, even those of you that, that get into the debate about consumption of alcohol, there's nobody in this room, nobody in this room, nobody watching this video, nobody listening to this audio, not one human being can biblically justify drunkenness. Not one. You can't do it. Drunkenness is sin. Drunkenness is sin. Drunkenness is sin. The Bible's, it makes the list of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Drunkards. So why do we think then, that, and, and we'll, you'll, you'll argue and argue and argue about this, everything in moderation, but then to food, we say, now we can be drunks with food. That's fine. No, that's gluttony. That, that's exactly what we're talking about. If you eat or drink, be sure you're doing it to the glory of God. And then I think about this, and I'm, I've gone back and forth. The, the book singles this out, but I know that I can be, a, this will offend. Well, I'll go ahead and say this because I, there's no need to, tiptoe around it. I've said it on the air. I do not believe that Mormons are Christians. I believe that Mormonism is a false religion uh, because they, they, they take on, and some of you will email me and say you don't. And it just means you, I don't think you know as much about what the Book of Mormon claims. Uh, is, is, and if, and if, if Mormons and Christians are the same, then why do I need the Book of Mormon? I said that on the air one day and the guy said, because you don't have the whole truth. I said, so you don't think we're the same. But they believe in a very disciplined life when it comes to this, but now, of course, if I need to earn it, then I guess I probably do pay more attention to what I do since it could lead to what my eternity is going to look like or not. But I think it's sad, and Jerry Bridges says this, that when people who, what I think biblically is a false religion and other false religions, are more diligent in this discipline than those of us who claim to be followers of Christ. It's really kind of sad. I mean, we should be more motivated. See, our motivation comes from a different place. You know, we don't, the, Jesus didn't say, uh, I'm here so I can give you a bunch of do's and don'ts. I'm here to say done. 
All I've done is show you that you'll never accomplish it, so I have to fulfill all righteousness, and I will. But now our disciplines and our holiness and our comes from obedience, not from legalism, not from a code of conduct. You said to present ourselves as a proper sacrifice to your kingdom. You said for us not to be gluttons. You said it will make us more, we're more effective for the kingdom when we live out the proper witness. Now, and so what we're saying is, we are doing this, Jesus, because we love you. Because you said, those who love me do what I say. Jesus said, if you wonder, there's a lot of people talking about me. They're casting out demons they claim in my name. They're doing mighty works in my name, Matthew 7. But only those who do the will of my Father are the real deal. John 14, those who love me do what I say. Those who don't, don't. So this is an area that he says, the Bible says, to beat our body into submission, to not give into the flesh, and to not be gluttons. Right? And so, now let me be clear. This is all about lifestyle. This is when you get legalistic about it, when you become a holy BMI. The BMI was created in the pits of hell. The BMI says I should weigh about a buck 75. That ain't never going to happen. Okay? And so, but if you, if you go by the BMI on height and weight, by the way, this is nothing but a scam to one day start taxing fat people. That's what this is all about, but I won't get into that. But, but what I'm saying is this, because they're going to say we raise health care, so now we de the government gets to declare who's fat and who's not fat. But if you look at it, we have world-class athletes that on the BMI are considered to be overweight. World-class athletes, because it doesn't take muscle mass into account. So I'm not talking about a holy BMI. No, you're in sin if you're not six foot two, 185. No. What we're talking about is we take a real examination of our life, and we say, am I a glutton? Do I overindulge in food? And do and am I lazy? Am I slothful? Do I do I not care about my health physically? That's what we're talking about. We're not getting into legalism and, and, and all of this. We're talking about you know right now, if you're listening to this and watching this, just like I knew, whether you are in sin when it comes to this part of your life or not. You know you are. But all all he's saying today is stop justifying it if you truly want to be holy. And, and then Hebrews says, those that do not have holiness, no one is going to, no one's going to enter into the presence of God without holiness. Without holiness, you won't see the kingdom of God. So overindulgence in anything opens the door to uh, overindulgence in everything. Think about all the different addictions that are out there. And we can come addicted to food just like we've been addicted to anything. I understand a drug addict. I truly do because I've been addicted to food. I get it. I, I get it. I do. Uh, uh, Thomas Boston said this, They that would keep themselves pure must have their bodies in subjection, and they may require in some cases, I love this, a holy violence. That's why he said, Paul said, I beat my body into submission. Sometimes to, to get your body to do what it needs to do on the authority of Christ, there has to be a holy violence. It's not a mild we'll see. Well, I need to do better. How many years do you think I said I need to do better? So many years. But until the day that God says, so you're just going defiantly being sin, to the Holy Spirit said, how much longer are you going to justify this? I need to do something. What, what, do something. I mean, can I tell you what the hardest part for me when I'm dealing with the health, physical and look, I'm still going to die. Okay, this is about b being a better witness and having more impact for the kingdom, period. Being a better husband, being a better father. That's all it's about. Honestly, if it was left up to me, I wouldn't care. I, I can remember saying that. What's my motivation? I mean, I got a good job. My, my job doesn't require My job even makes fun of the fact of weight, so I got no problem there. I'm on the radio. My wife is beautiful. What am I trying to get some beautiful wife? Got that. I got kids. What's my motivation? How sinful of an attitude is that? So everybody just has to tolerate you. Yeah. That's sin. So you, 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 you will not address this in your life. Nope, you're going to justify it. And, until that garbage stopped. But you know what the hardest thing is? Like today, I'm sitting here right now. I'm going to work out today, but I don't want to. The hardest thing for me today is to actually keep the commitment and go and do something. And when it's over, like I've told you a million times, I'll sit in my truck and say, thank the Lord I did that. Man, I'm glad I did that. But the hardest part is actually doing it. 
Man, I need to get on the diet. The diet is, can be difficult, but what's the hardest thing? Starting it. And then if you mess up, remember we said throughout this whole thing of holiness, failure does not make you, I mean, to fail does not make you a failure. There are days still that I go, man, it got away from me today. But I don't go, well, I guess this is just never going to be over. The next day, it's not that way. The next day, boom, back to the regiment. That applies to anything in, in the pursuit of holiness or anything in your life. Just because you messed up one time, when it becomes sinful is when you say, I don't care that I mess up. This is who I am. You know, to fail does not mean you're a failure. If so, then Paul was a failure. Peter was a failure. David was a failure. They certainly failed, but they didn't justify it. When they, when they finally repented is when things changed. Remember, he, doesn't, he didn't die for excuses. He died for repentance. So along the same um, sins of of the body in Colossians 3, 5, Paul now leaves talking about gluttony and food, which a lot of us are glad, and he starts to talk about greed, of idolatry, and he starts taking on materialism. This is another thing that we got to get right in our life. Materialism wars against souls in two manners. Number one, materialism means I got to have more stuff, more, 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 which is also a gluttonous attitude that didn't have to do with food. It makes us discontent and envious of others. Hey, how much more stuff you need? Most, most of the stuff that we want, do you realize, especially this generation, that you know, have y'all noticed how many storage places there are now? Do you remember when we were kids, I'm 54, there weren't any storage places. They're everywhere. You know why? We're overloaded. We got so much stuff, we go pay somebody to just, can I put my stuff in here? And then, guys, there's stuff that we put in storage I've never seen again. I don't know what, what, where is it? Undoubtedly, I didn't need it. Because I've gone through several years of my life and never once said, I got to go to the storage building and get that fill in the blank. I say at our house, I said, if in three years or so, it's not using this house, it's gone. I'm not talking about things that are heirlooms or things that mean a lot to you. I'm just talking about stuff. Well, you ever walked up to a part of your garage and go, I don't even know what this is. I don't even know how it got here. I don't know its function. It looks like there's a piece of wood here and some kind of hinge. What is this? I don't even know what it is. And so what he's saying is the Apostle Paul taught us in Philippians that he learned to be content no matter his situation. He said, I've been content with much. Hey, the Lord may allow you much, but you're always content with whatever you have. He said, I'm content with much. I've, I've lived that life, and I've also lived the life that I didn't have hardly anything. And I was just as content with that. So see, this again, just like I said, just because somebody's lean doesn't mean they're not a glutton. And, and I, you remember we talked about this in Dallas Willard's uh, The Spirit of the Disciplines, which some of y'all are ready to get rid of me over. That was a very difficult study. And Wingo made the mistake of teaching at his church, and they nearly ran him out of the church. But, <laughs> but, one, of the, but one of the things that he said, didn't he? One of the things that he said was some of the most greedy people he ever met are poor. There's nothing, there's nothing, that's not some, oh, that person's poor, they must love Jesus. No, poor people, some, sometimes some of the worst people you'll ever meet. And they're as greedy as anybody, because why, are they going to play that lottery? I'm going to find some way to get it. I, I want to make money. I gotta, they're more obsessed with money sometimes than people that you consider to be wealthy. So just because you're poor doesn't mean you're not greedy and not an idolater of material things if that's all you ever want. So it's not about that. It's about the mindset. The other thing that materialism does to us, it leads us to pamper and indulge our bodies so that we become soft and lazy. And when we start to become soft and lazy physically, guess where else we become soft and lazy? Spiritually. See, we, we get so much stuff, so many things. You know, hey, guys, can I tell you something? There's more to life than leisure. Is there anything wrong with leisure? No. Again, as long as it's not overindulged in. You know, one of the great statements, and I'm not talking about rest either. Rest is great. One of the great statements from an old pastor, one of his congregation, he was going on sabbatical. He said, you know, the devil never rests, pastor. He said, yeah, but Jesus did. So I don't follow Satan. I follow Jesus. Okay? So Jesus did rest, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need rest. We need time down. We need time alone. We need time in solitude. And, and so, you know, you can be, I know people that are obsessed with working out. It's their idol. 
You know, you was, hey, can we just go on vacation one time and you not have to get up and go work out? Just one time? I mean, can we just settle here a minute and look at the water and pray and get into scripture? I got, I got to get my workout. I got to go get my workout. Yeah. And, and, and they're obsessed with that. That can become an idol to you. You, 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 you've been around these people. Oh, my gosh. They, they don't ever go on vacation with them. You know, you, I, I'll forbid. Nobody's running today. Matter of fact, I don't know why we run if nothing's after you. We're not running today. There's no running. You know, that's a real good sacrifice for me. I'm not going not gonna to work today. I'll tell you that. I've never had a problem knocking it out of gear. I mean, my dad said once about me, no word never had to tell Rick to stop and smell the roses. Okay? You know, I'll tell you what, that Rick Burgess is a workaholic. I never struggled with that. But, but what, I, what, I, what I actually did struggle with is what? Knocking it out of gear too much. But anything that gets away from us and becomes obsessive to us, you know you need to be obsessed about? Jesus. You know what we need to be obsessed about? The Holy Spirit. We need to be pursuing Jesus because all this other garbage that we pursue more than Jesus leads us nowhere. He's the only thing worth obsessing over because it pays. Somebody say amen. So Paul was not just talking about, remember about being disqualified, being physically disqualified. Again, this is not about legalism. He knew that if he allowed his body to become out of control, this would lead to him being spiritually disqualified. There's no place for laziness and indulgence in the body. In a dis if someone is saying, I have a dis disciplined pursuit of holiness, Jerry Bridges says, the Bible says, if you are disciplined about pursuing holiness, you'll never find a place in that pursuit that involves indulgence and laziness. Never. I have found people who are lazy and overindulgent. They're not holy. And they don't seem that serious about their faith to me, straight about the way they live. Now, they may say the right things, but I don't see it in their life. And you certainly wouldn't have seen it in mine. He said, we must learn to say no to the body, and we can never act on feelings. I love when he says this. I seldom feel like doing what I should do. What, what if all I ever did, I said, I tell you what, I'm going to work on my physical health when I feel like it. Well, let me tell you when that day comes. I'd be never. I never feel like it. Hardly ever. I don't ever say, I'll tell you what I can't wait for today is to, is to eat some low-calorie healthy food and work out. I am stoked about that. Never. <laughs> never. Now, I'd be stoked about banana pudding. <laughs> cornbread. I love cornbread. Cornbread is an idol for me. I have to really work on cornbread. You know, you know what I did about it? I'm about to get this next. So I don't have it. Mama gives it to me once a year. If I left cornbread around the house, I'd eat it every day. So you know what I say? No cornbread. Don't have it in the house. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I know people that stop eating ice cream. You know how? Bizarre concept. They stop buying it. Amen. They stop bringing it in the house. I mean, I don't eat donuts that aren't there. <laughs> right? Amen. I mean, it, 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 but I'm not saying you can never have a donut. Don't misunderstand me. But it can't be these, uh, these unhealthy food. It's the first time, I remember the first time, you talk about I started doing this health regimen. And you can see that I'm not trying to overdo that. But anyway, I, I was trying to figure out this with these trainers, what's good and bad. I, I think I found some healthy cereal. I'm excited. I said, hey, what do you think about this? He sends it back, throw it in the trash. Throw it in the trash. He goes, empty calories. No nutritional value in that. If you're going to do calories, do calories that will help you. I thought, well, this is not going to be any fun. I thought I was making some sacrifice for my Honey Nut Cheerios. I thought that was healthy, by the way. The picture me, Honey Nut Cheerios, by golly. He goes, throw that in the garbage. What are you doing? You're not going to have Cheerios again. That's over. So I, I find that I don't indulge in things that I don't let in my house. Would somebody say amen to that? Amen, brother. So he says, it, reduce the exposure to temptations. Listen to 1 Timothy 2.22. Somebody write that down. 1 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of youth. Hmm. Flee the evil desires of youth. Meaning what? Get away from them. Grow up. Grow up, man. I just, I, just, I just can't help but just keep indulging in ice cream. You're grown. Hey, you're grown. That's something a kid says. Amen. Well, you're out there at 54 years old waiting on the ice cream truck. Grow up. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, it's it's like, I mean, you're grown, and 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 so, I wish I had some candy. You're not a child anymore. That's right. That's right. Okay. I mean, you know, grow up. And, and so he says, flee the evil desires of youth. Romans 13:14. Do not think about 
how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Change the way you think. Yes. You know, you know when you, you'll finally defeat an enemy when you see him. Oh, I know where this is going. Hey, Rick, where do you want to go eat today? Uh, let me tell you where we can't go. I mean, if, if, would, how many of you that know my testimony about my struggles with alcohol, would y'all let me go back to a bar? Well, then don't take me places that are going to compromise me when it comes to me struggling with my weight. Don't take me there. I mean, if I came up to you and said, hey, what do you think about let's get a cold one today? You'd go, what, have you lost your mind? Well, help me and have that same attitude when I say, well, we're going to eat today. And you say, I'll tell you where we're not going to eat. Because you told me to hold you accountable. So we're not going to do that. That ain't going to help me. Y'all help me. If you love me, you know. So he, he says, so, so don't, don't even think about gratifying the desires. Again, how many times have we said the worst plan ever about sin, and it will include this, is your, your, your game plan to be, we'll see. I'm going over here to, to the donuts and the candy and the banana pudding and the sweet tea, and I'm just going to see what happens. I can tell you what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to be all up in it. Eventually, because I think, well, I, I just let me tear just a piece of that off. I'll just take a little bite of that. One time, I actually started, one of the processes, you know, we started doing, working, we worked on a little bit here, smelling it. I'm going to smell that and throw it away. <laughs> I, I just want to smell it. Hey, you think you've got a problem when you're smelling food? you got a problem. Okay? And so I, I, had, I had to realize that, Rick, I think we can persevere through you not smelling it today. Um, I love Proverbs 27, 12. The prudent, oh, this is good. We're going to end on this. This is good. This is really, really good. Proverbs has really got a lot of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 27, 12. The prudent sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Amen. What do the prudent do? They see danger and they get away from it. He said, but the idiots pay no attention to it and go right at it and they suffer for it. The prudent sees danger and takes refuge. Where do we take refuge? What the, who the Bible says our refuge? Who, who, where do we take refuge? In the Lord. You are my refuge. Hey, you are my refuge. Hey, when you're struggling, guys, you're struggling, ladies, whoever's watching this, take refuge in Jesus. I have found that I have never continued to sin when I start praying. Amen, brother. Who's with me? Amen, brother. Hey, I'm in a bind. I don't like where my mind's going right now. I don't like what I'm around. I don't like where I'm headed. Lord Jesus, let me just right now take refuge in you. Uh, somebody say yes. Amen. Remember what I said? One of the things that's helped me a lot because I know I'm an idiot and I, and I know how, how, how difficult the enemy of my flesh is. Protect me from my biggest enemy today, Lord. Yes. Me. Yes. I'm a problem. Everywhere I go. There I am. You know what I mean? And, and, and so what, I, what, what, I've learned, what I've learned to do is to just, I figured it in my mind. I, you've heard, some of you have heard me, I've already told you this. Let's do it again. I physically wrap my arms around the waist of Jesus. I picture him standing there. And I just bury my head up in his chest. And I say, please don't let me walk away from me. I've got to hang on to you because I'm going to fail if I don't. Amen. So you, you, you give me victory. Yes, Lord. That's it. Take refuge. He said, what the prudents say, I see this danger, let me go take refuge. You know what I'm capable of, guys? Anything. Anything. Hey, I'm capable of much more than eating too much fried chicken. But if you see me eating too much fried chicken, that means I've given in to something and I might give in to anything. It's not legalism. This is strategy. God expects us to assume our responsibility for keeping the sinful desires of our body under control. But here's what we love. But He provides the power. Amen. Remember, let's not ever get Philippians 4.13 wrong again. I can endure all things because of Christ who gives me the strength to do it. There's nothing that can defeat Jesus. So whatever I'm facing, if I get defeated by it, it's not because of the lack of Jesus' ability to give me power over it. I can endure anything. I can lose the weight because of Jesus who gives me the ability to do it. I can stay away from that woman because of Jesus who gives me the strength to do it. I can stop drinking that alcohol because of Jesus who gives me the strength not to do it. I can stop doing the drugs because of Jesus who gives me the power to do it. I can stop being materialistic because of Jesus who gives me a new perspective. Amen. 
I can stop being lazy and doing nothing for the kingdom because Jesus inspires me to do so. And then gives me the power to accomplish it. Man, it's a one-step program. What's the program? Jesus. Jesus. Anything I indulge in is something that I still love more than Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Wow. Thank you so much for this time together. I pray, Lord, I pray for, for all of us. Forgive me, Lord, for my wretched sin. I stood and confessed in, for the, in front of all these people today that I struggled with the sin of gluttony. And I struggled with the sin of laziness and self-indulgence. And self-indulgence. And I, Lord, I repent of that sin. And I have more people now today than I've ever had to hold me accountable on this sin. And I pray, Lord, that you'll let them, let them just bear down on me. Because they let them love me enough to just call me out if they see me drifting on this anymore. Lord, I, I do not want to be disqualified. I pray that you'll continue, Lord, to give me the conviction when I'm wrong and the affirmation when we're right. And we cling to you and know that because of you, we can endure anything. There's those right now, Lord, though, they don't know you. They don't have access to that power. You said if they'll just repent of their sin and believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that you are Lord, that you're drawing them to you, that they'll, if they'll just submit to you drawing them in, that they'll be saved. I pray if there's anybody right now that doesn't know you, that they'll just say, Lord, I just heard this today and I applied it to whatever needed to be applied to. And I repent of that sin and I ask for forgiveness and I submit to your authority and everything. Lord, I sit somewhere across this broadcast today or maybe in this room, there's people that are making decisions today involving you they needed to make. I know I have. I pray, Lord, you'll honor those decisions. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. amen. If you have any questions, if there's any way we can help you, Rick at rickandbubba.com. I'm here for you. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, this is Rick, and that concludes this week's Bible study. Thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to go back and hear other Bible studies or maybe some that you've missed even in this series, you can find them by clicking the media button at BurgessMinistries.com.